We're live every 3.30 p.m. Central, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Pacific. I am joined by the wonderful, beautiful Alexander Mertz. Welcome back. How you doing? Hi, Fazat. Always happy to be with you. Oh, my goodness. Always a pleasure. Um, very interesting topic today. Something that we've covered a long time ago loosely on this channel. Uh, but yeah, it, it's something that's been uh, <laughs> it's been making the waves as of late, especially if you're an investor, if you've been part of the uh, Tesla story and other part other stories that are loosely related to the ESG movement. And I think that there is a, a lot of, a lot of discovery, I think, that we're going to have in this episode and um, something that Alexander has been uh, deep diving here for the last few weeks. So maybe maybe for those that are not familiar with uh, who you are or what ESG is or what we're going to talk about today, maybe give a brief introduction and then uh, mm. we'll talk about a little thing you want to talk about first, which is related to, uh, to I think, that the U.S. women's uh, uh, swimming sport that we want to cover real yeah. quick. And then we'll really deep dive this topic. So if you don't mind, give us a little introduction. Okay, so um, I'll be surprised lots of people don't know me yet with my big mouth, but there we are. <laughs> I'm Tesla Boomer Mama. Uh, I have been a Tesla investor since 2020, but professionally I've been a, a fund manager. Um, so I usually had a diversified portfolio. So being all in in Tesla it was a, a big thing for me, hence all my engagements. And um, after being a fund manager, I was working for Moody's, the rating agencies, and I think rating agency, and I think that gave me a lot of insight both for the credit ratings, for which uh, um, we discussed a lot, but also um, now about uh, ESG and rating and rating methodology and all that, and and that you know really made me dive into it. You'll see we're going to talk 2008, the role of the rating agencies at one moment, because I think ESG is actually. Um, derived from that from that period and and brings lots of bad bad memories with it but um yeah so very specific combination here between fund managing experience rating experience and being a tesla all-in investor or nearly all-in investor so um yeah let's discuss esg because i do believe it's one of the real hot topics very boring uh but highly dangerous topic Highly doubt it's going to be boring because you're involved and you always make everything so awesome to listen to. Oh, Real quick, let, let's do a plug on this thing that you you were sharing. Yes, um, I, and I, yeah, so can you tell us a little bit about this? So this year, the World University Games are um, again organized, you know, with the, the pandemic, they've been reported and whatever. So they are now going to take place end of July. UCLA is sending a team of three but the uh, U.S. Swimming Federation can't cover the costs just because it's been such a mess organizing it. So they need 20000 bucks. We're trying to raise 20000 bucks. set up a GoFundMe page. And I have this as my pinned tweet. And if everybody could just, you know, help a little bit, that would really help out. We're still below 1000 bucks. I can't believe we're going so slowly. So I really hope um, in appreciation of what I try to bring you here all, you just... Uh, Chip, chip in a couple of dollars that really help. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for creating uh, to bring an awareness to this. Uh, if you can spare it, that would be awesome. I have a link in the comment section below. But uh, if you could at least share it, if you have a Twitter account, that would be super, super helpful. Thank you all so much. Okay, here we go. What is ESG and what the hell is going on? Where should we start? There's so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, maybe let's start a little bit with a worldview, especially an American worldview, but it's the same in Europe. Um, Normally, power is 
a matter of corporations having a certain input, governments having a certain input, and media playing their role. Now, we all know that's not happening the same way anymore. And um, we, we realize that government is not always working cleanly, media neither, and corporations neither. So when ESG was born, ESG stands for Environment, Social and Governance, um, it was actually meant as being a measure of um, looking at parts of corporations that are not usually in the financial reportings, right? So it would be, you know, how much um, how much they pollute, how they apply social standards in recruiting, how their governance uh, is managed, how well it's documented, and things like that. So this all started about twenty years ago. Uh, I still haven't found out who was the genius that put those three names together. Uh, together, there are a couple of people out there that claim to be it. I'm not sure that I would like to be the one. Uh, carrying this on my shoulders. But anyway, there are a couple of people. Um, and unfortunately, it has turned into something quite sanctimonious, right? You hear ESG everywhere, especially fund managers, but it's actually what I call morally bankrupt and really corrupt. Um, the, the corporations, and I mean mainly the asset managers, are using the, the ESG capital market input to do things that the government itself couldn't regulate because it's going too far and what the media couldn't accomplish. So they were able to kick this to certain corporations. Um, again, like I said, mainly asset managers who use this and use the money of everyday people in their funds to invest in ESG compliant companies to vote the shares. I mean, we all know what happened with the, you know, Tesla shareholder meetings and all that. So we're more familiar with this now, but to vote the shares of their passively uh, managed funds in an ESG manner. So you have actually political activism suddenly in the asset management industry and ESG is the horse they're riding. Um, and so the this whole game is very occult. They are coming from different sides, and this all developed at the same time then the Human Rights Council put in place their Corporate Equality Index, or some are calling now already Corporate Equity Index. So you have this whole gender uh, topic in, in, in all that. You have what the media used for now more than a decade called stakeholder capitalism, where not only the shareholder in a company has their say, but there are different entities, notably the media or whatever, whoever thinks they have something to say now have suddenly a stakeholder um, opinion and make it sure they, they have an impact in it. And then you have a third vehicle called DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. So you have actually four things that happen at the same time, some more pushed by the media, some more pushed by government and ESG, who was pushed by the asset managers and who became a tool nearly criminal racketeering tool that is now imposed to so many companies that they can't um, get access to capital markets anymore. They can't um, sell their stock or do their financial reportings anymore without using ESG. So it, it has become much bigger. Um, just to put it in, in some historical context, the last two years, the energy crisis 
due to, I mean, due to the Biden administration, due to the Ukraine war, to, to many other factors, brought with it that ESG lost a little bit of its shiny object. Because up to then, it was mainly promoted as environment, environmental. We're getting to that. It, it's actually much less than that people think, but it was marketed as the green tool. And then uh, with energy prices skyrocketing, um, and, and the stock that was associated to it, ESG became a, a little bit of a less flashy object because people said, what the heck would I invest into something that do doesn't bring me the same returns? Um, but, um, I mean, we'll get into the history in a little bit, and then I, I want you to, you know, ask me any questions yeah. first. But but it is, it, is, um, it is really very, very concerning. And, and like I said, it is so boring. Yet we really should look into it because it's so highly dangerous. So the boring stuff, what's interesting about what you're describing is that the boring stuff is usually the things that are hidden in plain sight, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it seems so, so again, and, and I, I don't, I want to make sure that I'm any biases that I might have towards this or against this. I want to make sure I sideline and just kind of go off of what the research you've done and try to ask questions that are that are meaningful to advance the discussion, right? So so the first thing that came to mind as you were describing this, and again, we, we talked about this loosely before, and for those that are not familiar with ESG, I'm gonna to try to ask questions that both try to bring people that are not familiar up to speed with where we are, and also try to dig a little bit deeper, actually quite a bit deeper than we have in the past. So to try and summarize what you what you said, um, and correct me where, where I'm wrong, because I, I could say things that are incorrect here. So. Sure. ESG is something that started. Uh, it has uh, weird origins. We're not really quite sure that there is some some evidence of some people starting the movement or some place starting the movement. But we know that this three letter word, environmental, social and governance, started about 15 to 20 years ago, if you want to call it that uh, a yeah. while ago, and it's gained momentum over time. And as of late, what has what appears to be happening is that this movement that was initially, who knows why it was created, but it had words associated to it that are meant to look after the planet and account for things that capitalistic societies usually would abuse, like environment, carbon emissions, treating people poorly, uh, being potentially racist, right? Like things like that. It was a movement that was potentially designated to, to fix that. But what could be happening now is that there are very powerful entities that have money that are utilizing ESG to pick and choose who should or shouldn't get the money. Is that a good way of describing what you just said? Or what, what yeah. am I missing? What's the nuance I'm missing? No, 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 you're not missing anyone's. But the, the, the thing is, it sort of got institutionalized. What you had as a vague idea around 2005 became something, you know, a sort of don't go to prison token uh, after the financial crisis of 2008. So what happened in 2008? Obviously, that whole financial crisis challenged the system. Um, and Republican, and, and I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit political here, and I'm actually not taking sides, but both parties did a lot of wrong in ESG. I mean, I do believe there's currently a much more motivated progressive side to it, but the Republicans have their fair share here as well. So because both are involved, I really want to name them. So um, in the um, big financial crisis, you had Republicans lobby or lobbied and then lobbying uh, to bail out the big banks, 
you know, they could have yep. made much more cleaning up then. Um, there was Dot Frank, but I mean, it was it was really structured to leave everybody cozy, especially the rating agencies, by the way. That's another story because, I mean, the, the rating agencies were that loophole that everything had to go through for 2008 to happen, yet other than some minor that fines, That was them nothing sort of happened. like miss... That oh, was misrating things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the enabler of that whole crisis, yet they sort of, you know, with time, and it was the Obama administration, but it was with a lot of of uh, help from the Republicans, uh, they let them get off the hook. So you had this, you had the, the financial institutions a little bit uneasy. At the same time, you probably all remember we had Occupy Wall Street, right? Occupy Wall Street mm -hmm. was on the progressive side as well. So Occupy Wall Street actually had some points. I mean, I'm, I'm politically more center-right than, than that, but I have to say they had a, a couple of their bullet points that were really um, useful. So the financial institutions sort of needed a white knight on a beautiful white horse to suddenly wash themselves pure and clean again. And that was diversification, equity. And out of all that, something really weird that I would call the woke, industri um, the woke industrial complex, right? We have the military industrial complex, we have the pharma industrial complex, where we also have the woke industrial complex. And, and it doesn't have much to do with what Elon and lots of people call wokeness who think this is all in the really extreme left corner. This is about using wokeness for capitalistic gains. These are people that have high salaries. These are millions of people in this ESG industry that when they sit on the train in the morning in the commuter train or when they participate in meetings, they look as polished as you can go. We're not in the in the progressive corner at all, but they use this whole agenda of diversification, equity, environment, climate um, to get to something cleaner as an image, right? This is not about being clean. Remember, we, we discussed a couple of weeks ago how some tobacco companies have higher ESG ratings than Tesla. So this is not about the goodness the word good is actually very complicated to, to explain in this whole thing, but this is not about the goodness of the company. This is who is playing the matrix, how they want it to be played, who is obeying to this scheme that they've put in place um, so that it becomes very traceable. I think traceability is, is very important to them all. So we had, we had this big bang. We had beginning of this woke industrial complex and it's you know i couldn't because you said earlier we don't really know what was happened 15 20 years ago i can't point to anything conspiracy theory or something like that you know i can't tell you okay this is when that happened and these strange people were sitting around the table deciding to do that i still don't think that happened i think it was just um a multitude of small things that happened in a very particular historic moment and then, so that was going on 2008, I would say, to 2015. So some of these actors, like, for example, the rating agencies, they remained very quiet. They certainly didn't want to be seen as being the profiteers of a story where they could have been, you know, capped and finished. Um, but at the same time, BlackRock and Larry Fink has a very particular role here. And again, I don't want to finger point to him, but his movement and his idea and what he made out of BlackRock is really a major player here. Do me a favor. Can you give a background for those that are not familiar? What is BlackRock? What's their role 
if you don't mind. So, yeah, sure. BlackRock is an asset manager that's relatively new. So it's not like Vanguard, Fidelity, State Street and all those. They play a role here as well. But BlackRock is younger. And BlackRock came, um, Larry King came up with this fabulous idea. I don't know whether it is because I really hate passive uh, index funds. But he came up with this idea of passive index funds. So these are ETFs, low cost. Uh, people pour money in it. You can play nearly everything, just the S&P, the reverse, uh, one and a half times Tesla, uh, Tesla Q, anything you want. They put up an, an index fund and then, and then you jump in it. You can trade these on a daily basis. So you don't only have an asset value, you have a stock price that moves during the day. So it is liquid like a stock, but it is an ETF. It, it replicates most times exactly a certain index or a certain a certain function. and um, and so much money got poured into that because, I mean, th there's always a reason, a causality at, to all that. What was it? The reason was that the mutual fund industry before that was much too greedy, much too opaque, much too greedy, only published once per per uh, quarter their, their portfolios, lots of shenanigans going on. I was in that industry. I could talk hours about it. and uh, And so we moved from something with huge money to something very liquid, transparent, and which which looked ideal, and which looked as you're getting best service for little money. But like always, when you pay little money or no money, well, you are actually the product or the service, right? But that's the the whole issue that I have with passive funds, and, and we probably get into that a little bit later. But anyway, so you had this period, 2008 to 2015, everybody recovering, hoping that nobody shines too much light on them. And then you had these passive index funds slowly but surely um, coming to fruition, people really accepting them, using them a lot. Uh, and then you got Trump elected. So when President Trump got elected, this whole establishment, because these are these people, right? These are these people that for seven years were trying to not shake too much, to not be you know, put into any lights. They just thought, oh, my God, we just got out of this crisis and survived that without too much damage. Now comes this crazy man. So sorry to talk like that, but I know it's your president. But um, and, and so they felt they had to cement what they had now reconstructed. And um, so that's when ESG got some traction, starting to get some traction. You just had a couple of months prior to Trump's election, the Paris Accord, Paris Accord where, where these climate goals were set. And uh, and they were thinking, okay, let's use those Paris Accords to sort of restructure ESG. So Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg was one of the key players. They are trying to make ESG the establishment answer to Trump not getting into the capital market. So this is where it gets all politic political again. Um, and then big bang, um, Trump, I think it was in 2018, pulled out of the Paris Accord. Mm -hmm. And that was the green light for all these ESG warriors to now use ESG, that, as, as unconnected as it sounds. But that was so the moment where they said, okay, this can't happen again. We can't have any random president suddenly put in question, you know, how we have now improved our, our image. We need to have ESG and we need to make sure ESG gets institutionalized and everybody uses it and there is a method to it and everybody can trace it and everybody can understand it and score it, whatever. So... We have two time periods that are really crucial here, 2008 crisis and the 2018 pulling out of the Paris Accords. And uh, at the same time, actually, Europe already had gone a little bit into, into this whole ESG topic, much much easier to accept in Europe just because the, the way Europe is structured and European uh, 
financing is uh, is is structured. But the 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 real you know big moment came when BlackRock then adopted in 2018 ESG. And and it's going now so far, five years later. I, I mean, I'm just waiting for that Bitcoin ETF from BlackRock that they're supposed to come out being ESG. I mean, that would just be, you know, the absurdity of it all uh, finally, finally um, come to a to a climax. Why um, would that be absurd? Well, I mean, because obviously Bitcoin is, I mean, I'm not a big fan of any crypto or Bitcoin, but the the Bitcoin is something that the SEC tries to regulate now, right? And there's always a counter game between the SEC. I come back to my first to my first words. In this whole game, we have to understand what do corporations bring here, what does government bring here, and what does media bring here. This is the, the power game that's going on and where ESG plays a role. So uh, the government tries to make Bitcoin here in the United States as useless as possible. I think I can only express it like that. Um, BlackRock wants this money. BlackRock wants an ETF that becomes the tool where everybody buys the ETF rather than the Bitcoin, right? Then the whole storage problem is gone and the whole who holds it, whatever, you then hold an ETF share. Um, but in order to make it socially acceptable, I can just see them using ESG mm. as the tool again. I just find it's completely, you know, par paradox and, 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 you know, I don't understand why it's happening, but let me get back to 2018 first, because yeah. if not, we're, jump, we're jumping a couple of things. So 2018, the uh, Trump pulls out of the Paris Accord, and that's where two big actors started waking up. So this is CalPERS, which is the pension fund for California and BlackRock. Why? I mean, I don't know whether there was a meeting. I can only tell you it all suddenly happened on both sides. CalPERS decided that ESG becomes um, a determinator in their investments. And the same actually happened with the Norwegian uh, pension fund, which is the biggest European uh, pension, pension fund. But I concentrated these last couple of weeks more on America. And BlackRock suddenly started having ESG products. So that was the moment this industry built up. Now, that's only five years ago, right? And and I don't know whether you heard anything about ESG before 2018. I didn't. I mean, I was out of the financial markets from 2007 to 2018, so I, I never looked into all that. But um, but then suddenly it came from all sides. And um, and when something comes from all sides, you always have to wonder, you know, what happened? Um, and it actually came from all sides. Also now suddenly by um, the 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 regulators. So you had suddenly the World Economic Forum who put in place what they call their stakeholder capitalism metrics, something that very close to the same stuff. You then had in 2021, the government starting to really play a role here because the US Department of Labor said for, for 401ks and pension funds, ESG should become a measure. They're still not there, but there we are. Um, you had the setup at one of those COP26 meetings, I think it was, of um, something that is called the ISSB. And, and that's where I really hope I don't lose people now because it gets very dry, but very consequential. So ISSB is the International Sustainability Standards Board. And it is organized by an international um, association trust 
uh, called IFRS. So IFRS is something that is in charge of doing setting the standards for financial reportings. So when you see the quarterly or, or annual reports of Tesla, they are in a certain format and you can compare them to GMs or you can compare them to Fords. Why? Because they're standards, right? And so the, the governments decided, I think 26 of them, to mission IFRS to uh, now come up with ESG reporting measures in financial reporting. This sounds like, okay, this is bureaucrats, this is not a lot. No, this is actually the climax. I'm sorry, climax is my word today. Um, <laughs> this, is the, this is the moment where, where this all comes finally to fruition. If they manage, and they're in a very good position to do so, if they manage to oblige all companies worldwide that want to play on the stock exchange to report ESG in the standardized manner, because that's what they want to do, um, then we have lost because that means that every company has to be pressed in that same matrix, meaning you now have to have a certain diverse workforce, or you now have to have a certain handbook saying certain things, or you now have to, um, report your, and, and again, I mean, I'm all for the climate. That's not, that's not my point. My point is that there will be a central body determining how you have to run your business and how you have to fill this out. And then you will have auditors because everything that is in a in a, a financial report has to go through the PricewaterhouseCoopers and all these of, the, of these worlds, right? And so you then suddenly have these auditors telling you how you have to recruit, how you have to um, ask your suppliers to do certain things. Just everything becomes more sclerosed, more managed from the top, more managed from an entity sitting somewhere in the world, and we'll probably get later on into the details of this, um, imposing their way of looking at it. So maybe you want to interrupt me here because I'm going yeah, on and on. I have a lot. I mean, I have a lot. Uh, a lot of questions are coming up. So, so is currently. So when you think ESG, like an ESG score, like a, a standard uh, S&P Global, their uh, their one arm that rates Philip Morris and Tesla and everything, they have an ESG <laughs> score. So what what it sounds like is that that's is that score. It, so it sounds like it's not standardized today. Anybody who's tracking ESG. They're doing it their way. And then there is a body, ISBB, what's it called? ISBB? ISSB, International Sustainability Standards Board, yeah. They want to make it so that it's a uniform way of scoring everything. So like the, everybody's using the some, same scale, the same sort of uh, points, how, how they transition over time. And they also want to force every company, uh, every public company, it sounds like, at least to start, but maybe every company to have to uh, report based on these metrics, which, um, you know, which sounds like could be a problem for companies to actually operate as a company. And it could be uh, rigged or it could be um, run in a way that doesn't actually track those scores, that it's just something that's abstract and hard to quantify. And it's just kind of, it becomes weird. Is that a, a fair way of well, it, simplifying that? Yeah, it does. It, and, and especially it becomes something where recruitments or decision-making or um, suppliers or your whole product and service line 
doesn't depend on, I'm using the word capitalistic decisions, meaning the merit, the merit of the person you decide you decide to hire, the merit of the product you decide or service you decide to, to use, but suddenly it has to have all these different byproducts, right? So you have your diversity score for, for recruiting, or you have your emission score for how much your supplier has to go. It trickles down into the whole economy to micromanage companies. Every corporation. To then, to then pretend this is all for the good. Now, again, the, the, the question of good is actually a, a very, very bizarre and philosophical question, right? Something may be good for you and I don't find it good or vice versa. Uh, so the, the, But you, you take that away from the corporation to decide what they think is good for them. You actually try now that this board, um, and you may want to pull those three slides up, that this board is, um, is the one deciding what data you should report so that it then becomes comparable. Yeah, exactly. So this IFRS, this uh, Financial Reporting Board, is this trust, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I'm sorry this is so so small, but you have it also in my highlighted tweets. Um, these were the 2021 um, donors, because as it is a trust, it lives on donors. And when you go through the list of donors is here, for example, the yellow ones are all um, German companies. Europe is actually one of the biggest donors of this IFRS, much bigger than America. So you suddenly have this body where you have more than half of the donors being Europeans regulating how every company mm. in the world should report. I mean, it gives me, it gives me the shakes, right? I just, mm. I, I don't want anybody telling companies I invest in or companies I set up myself um, how we have to score our employees, how we have to score our suppliers. I, I do believe there is merit. And I, I'm not saying I like people that are, you know, doing dirty tricks or whatever, but I just don't want micromanagement at uh, at this level. So um, it is, it is, it is put in place, and I think that's really my 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 big my big problem. It is put in place to filter in certain parameters, certain political ideas. And I'm not saying it's bad because at the moment it, it's rather progressive. Yes, at the moment it's rather progressive, but it could be completely different in two or three years, and I wouldn't like it either. I just don't want all these political shenanigans in there. We're running companies. We're trying to do our very best. If you look at Tesla and the impact report, they're doing fabulous things, but about three-quarters mm. of that impact report would never show in these ESG scores and, and ratings. Why Why wouldn't three quarters of that not show? And I think that kind of highlights some of the weaknesses around this, yeah, this scoring system, exactly. right? So, well, well, first of all, the, the donors obviously are not doning, donating just because they're they're nice. They, they should donate. Well, we we'll talk about it to my swimmers, right? If they want to really donate something. <laughs> yeah. But there we go. Um, <laughs> so the, 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 um, they are donating because they want to have influence on it. And so when a BMW or Mercedes donates... They want to make sure they get heard when it comes to the point how automobile companies should report their ESG stuff, right? So there is a causality at all that. And you can't just say they're doing it for the good. We all want common standards. I'm not even sure we want common standards. But even if we would, I certainly wouldn't want 
a trust deciding on these common standards where the donors are so biased in there. They are in there for a reason. Can I, so can I ask you a question? How come, sure. well, I guess what, what is confusing to me is that it sounds like there is a lot of merit as to why this is not a smart thing to do, that you allow a governing body one singular governing body that's global to dictate how every essentially every public company in the world needs to operate from an environmental social and governance aspect yeah. which will literally dictate everything they do as a company everything yeah. everything's micromanaged yeah. to your point but then how come there are all these companies that are like you know there are companies out there that are waving this esg flag very very mm -hmm. uh proudly why are they so pro this if the outcome is going to be so detrimental to how they run a business? Can you help me understand this? I love you because you asked the right question at the right moment. Thank you, Farzad. Um, so <laughs> so why, do they, why do they like it? First of all, most people who like it need money from the capital markets. And currently, it is still much easier to get money if you have the ESG flag on than not. The green bonds are much easier to, to raise money than not. So what does this mean? One real quick thing. Can you just explain capital market? What does that mean sure. for the viewer? Sure. Yeah. So let's say GM. GM needs money. Happens to them from time to time. So they need to issue debt. Um, I mean, but the, the most easy one probably is their matching of their financing arm. Let's say GM would only do five-year loans to the GM car buyers, and they have to issue debt for the for the five years, right? I mean, if they're trying to match the, the maturity. And so the five-year debt, meaning the bond, the obligation that's out there, um, somebody has to buy them. And if you put the ESG rating on it, well, you find more buyers. Why do you find more buyers? Because there are asset managers who have who are sitting on all these funds, the, the mutual funds, the ETFs that need to invest. And now there's suddenly a GM green um, green bond to be acquired. And obviously they buy it. And so that's how GM gets the money to finance their cars. So you have you have a lot of green bonds. It's less a question of stock because stock is obviously traded on the stock market every day. That's not the impact. It's really on fixed and variable rate bonds where you can find it. And so the, the but you also have it for smaller companies now who just get a credit line from a bank. The, the, the banks can impose them that they need an ESG score to get their credit line. While in the good old days, they would go to their bank and say, look, I need 200,000 for, for my, my cash flow for the next six months. Now it is where well, you get the 200,000 if you have an ESG score. Whoa. So most of these this companies- This is happening today? Oh yeah, this is happening for the last five years. Yes, that's how they impose it. This is how they impose it. This has become um, the biggest cancer in financing, of, in corporate financing, yes. Wow. Sorry, yeah, keep going. I just wanted to I wanted to make sure that was clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, okay. sure, sure. This is what this okay. is what happened what happens. So the, the the question then is uh how do they get this score? Who scores them? And with which model? Now, we are always talking about S&P Global because when you are on Wall Street, when you're trading stock, S&P and Moody's are still the big names, right? But actually in this ESG world, there are now five, six other players. MSCI is one. There was the Bloomberg Initiative and there are a couple others. Sustainalytics, Ecovadis, there's Bloomberg, there's CDP. Shall now, I go ahead and pull up that chart? Yes, please. Okay. Because this is very interesting. I hope it gets big enough so people can see it. 
So there is now a company called ERM, which rates the different ESG scoring providers, right? ESG rating scorings, whatever it is. I mean, it's all it's all done to be gamed anyway. And let me just explain one thing. When they did the survey, ERM, they sent out thousands of corporations, meaning the GMs of this world that need these ESG ratings to, to issue their bonds, and also thousands of asset managers asking how do you use them and which of the ESG people, providers, do you prefer? Okay, so let me first say one thing. Of the companies that need an ESG rating, more than half said that they're checking out six or more of the providers for the ratings, meaning they pay six companies to do it so that they can cherry pick the one that gives them the highest score. Did you hear that? And I mean, I mean, this is crazy. This is in this, this is in this, but I know, I, I mean, you know, you know, I don't have much time, but when I dig into ESG, it's actually becoming fun because you're just there. You just think this is not possible. We're, we're, we're in, we're in such a bizarre world. This can't be possible. So Real anyway, quick, so, yeah, go ahead. can I just, for so, so, so everybody's sure. clear on what we're looking at together. So this is a ranking of the, the uh, quality and usefulness of ESG mm -hmm. scores that are provided by each one of these ESG score providers from yes. both investors and, corp and corporations, right? And so exactly. like this one, this one says, we did an investor survey and based on our scores, ISS ESG gives the best quality of ESG rankings and mm -hmm. CDP gives the best usefulness of ESG rankings. Mm -hmm. And when we do the same study for corporations, this is the their money. results. Who exactly. need the money? So, this is their results. Exactly. Okay. So, so okay. let me explain this because this is absolutely hilarious. Okay. So the first point is when you're a company, you have to run to six of them, pay six of them to run your company results, see whatever comes out of. And obviously you choose where you are looking the best and the other five you shovel under the, the, the carpet, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is when they do this survey, and I mean that they publish this boggles my mind but so they they take it from the two stances top two boxes is you're an asset manager you now want to use these scores which of the providers do you look at more and which one do you find find of high quality and which one are really useful so obviously the two top in both categories are iss uh, esg and cdp you will never hear of them again because nobody uses them other than this institutional little world and then the Bottom two boxes is the same question to the companies that need ratings. And yes, CDP is there, but you also see ISS ESG is all at the bottom. So while ISS ESG is obviously doing the best job there, the companies don't want them because they get the worst scores. So, so they don't use them. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. Just this table shows what a shenanigan it is. And so why, why did I want to show this? I want to show you that because... I just want to make sure everybody understands as whenever, and I did ratings myself, but whenever you do ratings, you do scoring models. And as soon as you do scoring models, the whole game can be fooled, right? You, you, you just game the whole system because as soon as you have a scoring model, you then do advisory to your clients on how you do that scoring model, which you build 
tri triple of what you actually build the score for so that they learn how they can then fulfill their scoring model. And then once you have it, well, then uh, then you sell the rating afterwards. So this is a whole uh, gravy train. This is a whole gravy train. Some of them obviously do a better job than others. It may be interesting for some of you to, to see those names. I don't think that, that they will matter a lot because what really happened now is they've gone silent. They have gone silent because um, we're making enough noise. I mean, not only you and me, you're typical, but, uh, but, but uh, there are some politicals out there. And actually, I despise that the right wing has taken this subject on. But on the other hand, somebody has to do it because they are trying to make it political. But as I said earlier, they made big mistakes in this whole thing as well. Right. They, they are the, the groundbreaker in 2008 and what followed um, of, of this whole subject actually rising and this woke industrial complex becoming what it is but um but we have more people talking about it so they've gone more silent but go on linkedin put in the search engine esg and you will see the float of thousands of jobs in this industry of people already in it and also job offers in there this is a huge industry this is this gravy train becomes bigger and bigger yes more silent but also by governmental um initiatives more rigid more embedded into the way we do business and i just feel we can't get out of it now let me probably add a little bit something about tesla because i haven't talked really about tesla so tesla in some of those models scores very well in some less obviously s&p being the worst of it at least if they've put them back into their index that's a whole other story but the the thing is tesla typically has the attitude don't give a whatever so um the 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 i didn't say it uh, i was you're about demonetized to. <laughs> now <laughs> Um, I'm like, you know what? If kids are watching, this is good education. So I Exactly. Say, you need yes. to know all letters, A, B, C, D, E, F, L, everything. Um, <laughs> so so the so so Tesla doesn't care, but we're at a point where Tesla will have to care because their auditors, PricewaterhouseCooper, will oblige them if this um whole ISSB, IFRS stuff comes through. Um so while Tesla, I'm sure, will maintain the impact report the way they do, when it comes to financial reporting, they will have to hire specific people who trace these stupid indices the way this board thinks they should be done and will have to comply. I mean, it, and, and it's crazy to think how much wasted time and energy will go into this. And so PricewaterhouseCoopers, would, the, the, the auditing firm that essentially allows Tesla to report publicly, right? Because every yeah. public company has to have an mm. auditing firm, right? Attached to them. So you're saying they would have to force Tesla to do it because they are on exactly. board on this. And I'm assuming it's because they have many companies that they audit for that are pro ESG. And that's what's basically in their best interest. Okay. Yeah. It's all about the money. Okay. It's all about the money. Yeah. It's all about the money. It will be a whole new branch for all these auditing firms. If you look on those, we don't need to pull them up again, but for those who have seen it, if you look into those three pages, the, the auditors are among the biggest donors uh, to this IFRS. So uh, for them, this is this is Christmas and, and Easter and everything else at the same time. I think it's on the third one. These are all the German companies. I mean, it breaks my German little heart. Here it is, I think, <laughs> on the bottom. Uh, it's on the last one. Look at the, I think it's on the, the bottom. No, no, no. Look at the bottom. Deloitte. Oh. But I mean, I can't read it really here. Ernst oh, & Young. Yeah. Deloitte, Ernst right? & Young. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. 
Wow. That's wild to me. So, so it is, I mean, I have just have so many questions. So, so the I know, and, and I, like, I just want to, yeah, go with your question, yeah. but I just want to, you know, sometimes I think I'm so confusing when I talk about all this, but it comes no. from all sides, right? So please do ask all the questions. It's not, so it's not confusing. I think the reason why this is a topic that doesn't get covered often is because it's so complex and so vague and it it is in my this is my opinion this is why i think mm -hmm. it's complex or that's what's not reported on it's because it's a web of information in a field that very few people naturally understand which is capital markets and investing there's very few people like for example when the financial crisis happened how many people knew it was happening no one why because it was complex because it was a bunch of uh, stuff that was based from, you know, the ratings agencies mislabeling yeah. things. And you had a bunch of derivative trading in the, in the background and stuff like that. It was just, a, it was just a mess, you know, the, and then years after the big short came out, which was the movie. And then people are like, oh, wow, that's what actually happened. And, you know, they had, you had news reports afterwards. So it, it's to me, it's just very reminiscent to me of that sort of story is that it's complex. It's not for the everyday person to sit down and like, and like it's, I'm in my head, what I'm trying to do is like, how can I make a 15 to 20 minute long video based on what you're describing so that all the variables are easy to understand? And I have no idea how to do that because there's so many components. But but here's yeah. the big thing that's coming to light for me. The eye opening thing for me is that there's multiple firms that report ESG. There are there are multiple firms that will give ESG scores. Mm -hmm. So this like that already. So when I think of a score, I'm a data guy. I'm a business my background is business intelligence, data analytics, right? And ma mathematics. I'm a math major. So when I think about numbers, I'm like, okay, there's got to be a way to quantify something. Like there's just this is the number. This is what math says. It's a it's the math is a language of the universe. It doesn't like to lie because it physically can't. You can use statistics to make it look weird, right? But numbers typically are used to describe something accurately. When you have five or six different firms that are using numbers to describe something, and there is a vast difference in how people interpret those numbers, mm -hmm. that to me says that it's not something that should be quantified. It's, it is a... How many times have you worked at a company where somebody will give you a report that just is, does, is not really what it's describing? It's just a number that's trying to make it look good. You know, how many companies when in the quarterly earnings try to fudge the numbers here and there to try to make them look good, right? So that's it's akin to that. And I think this is why it's so it, it's it's a, a weird story to track. It's because there's many people that are reporting this in a different manner. And then on top of that, you have a body and ISSB and others that are trying to get everyone to come on the same number, essentially, right? They want to say, this is how we're going to do it. But if you have five parties that are, six parties are, they're already disagreeing in how it should be measured. What is a standardization going to do? It's just going to take the average of the worst numbers. And then you have a crappy number out there that's trying to judge people. And then you're, and then you're saying, okay, if you want money as a business, you have to abide to this random number, right? That's, that's what I'm hearing. Mad, right? Matt, now let me just clarify. So ISSB yeah, doesn't do the calculation. They still want that to leave at the six or 10 or 15 providers okay. by then it will have, right? ISSB wants to do the base reporting of the raw data in a certain standardized manner. But that's actually much more, much more dangerous. I, I mean, 
I don't like any of this from A to Z. What every everything I talk today, I, I despise, but with with all my heart. But what I really feel the most is this ISSB initiative, and there's an SEC one as well. But the SEC is never doing anything, so I, I don't worry about that much as much. But the ISSB says, okay, the raw data that we need has to be for this criteria, this calculation, and that's why I'm so why I'm so nervous about these donors. Because, you know, it, it all sounds as if it's just an objective number, but it's not. The way you calculate, mm. for example, your gender score. So do you get goodie points for women? Do you get goodie points for whatever else, sexual affiliation? I mean, I have no opinion about that, but I don't want anybody else to have an opinion on that, right? I don't want anybody to tell me, and Larry Fink is actually on tape saying, no, we want to impose to the companies BlackRock yes. invests having a high non-male white employment. I'm like, excuse me? Where's so Larry in this whole story? Can I highlight I mean, this, where- These things drive me crazy. And so can I highlight where this could be problematic and then mm -hmm. uh, tell me if I'm wrong. In fields that are naturally heavily male dominated, uh, because of interest or whatever it may be, if you're forcing a company to abide by a score that forces them to hire a higher proportion of women versus the male, it doesn't necessarily say that a woman can't do the job. But if there is an outsize, if there's just men out there for you to hire, doesn't doesn't that imply that the company is going to end up with people that are aren't naturally inclined to be in that environment is that sure. a fair way of i mean i, I always that? i always say and i mean my husband is always telling me i'm wrong uh, i said you know our brain is the same i mean uh, he says no you can see female brains are smaller i doubt that but never mind <laughs> um <laughs> so so uh you know I, my attitude and the way i educated my five children is if you work hard, if you deserve something, if you have the merit of, you know, having put the work into it, well, y you should be chosen to do that because yeah. you are the best person for it. it. I don't care how tall or short or slim and not so slim, hair color, gender, sexual affiliation, none of that matters to me if you're the right person for the job. Well, long gone the times. Long on the times. And I mean, I know that by talking about diversity subject, this is probably the most controversial because people have an opinion about that. But sure. I'm, I'm absolutely against women positive discrimination ratios, right? I, I saw that in Europe where they suddenly had to have a certain quota of women on, on boards. I, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but the reporting today is already in place. How many women are on your board? How many non-whites are on your board? This... This has already made its its way through, and uh, and and so I, I just want to warn you know I, again, this is a completely boring subject. Uh, I know that we all just wish it would go away. It won't go away. It's 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 coming from everywhere. It was corporations to whitewash their sins. It was um, political shenanigans, but now the governments have put it in place and are really sclerosing it into. Uh, our way of capitalism. And it's also, I actually think it's something of national security level. Let me let me go there. Um, I do believe by imposing this, and you know how it is in America and in Europe, once it is imposed and everybody has to do it, um, first of all, we're giving away our own maneuvering. We're suddenly doing things for scoring reasons rather than for the 
business reasons. The second point is um, we have accepted that somebody has laid out an ideal case and we try to move ahead towards this ideal case. What's that? Who can decide that? Do you think somebody is smarter than Elon? Do you think that somebody you know knows and on, on those roundtables how to run a, a business? And this may be right for Tesla and this may be right tomorrow for GM, but this is crazy to think. The third thing is this is a gravy train that costs us a lot of money, that costs us consumers in the end a lot of money because fair enough, initially the companies will pay it, but the product will become more expensive because of all these you know, reporting that has to be installed and whatever. But but it goes, it goes really further that... Um, the whole setup of publishing data that you didn't need prior makes companies vulnerable. Now you have, like I said, currently you have six, seven companies, maybe 15. Now let's say one is concentrating on uh, the diversity score. Then suddenly you have journalists and journalists and journalists going on. How about this company is not having good enough in diversity? So then you have to defend yourself. Then you, so, so it's a whole circle of, of, uh, of, of consequences that comes from it. And I do believe by obliging companies to run this, and, and there's been surveys out there, I checked it again yesterday, 90% of US companies of a certain size that are in the Russell 3000 know they will have to comply to ESG scores, nine zero. Okay, so wow. we are there, we are there. So by doing that, we're actually giving data out that we didn't want to give out. First of all, we may comply to it, but even if we don't comply to it, now suddenly our competitors have this data and we don't know whether you know competing companies in Asia or wherever don't do it or will do it. We will do it because we're always running first in this crap. So the, the, the sorry about the crap, I shouldn't be so judgmental, um, but, the, but, but we're getting into something where we're actually harming our own economy we're harming our national security. We're giving away stuff that we shouldn't do. We shouldn't do it initially. But then once we do it, we, we are actually laying naked. I mean, how, yeah. how dumb is that? What for? Well, for? For some scoring model and some people to be able to now asset allocate? Because that's another thing. Oh, let me go there, please. Two seconds. Yeah, please. Why, do I, why do I despise ratings so much? Because for me, it is the ideal, and, and I'm talking about credit ratings as much as ESG scores and ratings, it is the ideal tool for idiots. If you're a financial analyst, or if you want to, I mean, how much work do you, Farza, do on, on Tesla, right? I'm sure you know so much more than all these financial analysts at, at Moody's or in, in on, on Wall Street or whatever. Why? It would because be a shame if the that's the case. <laughs> but but, but uh, so the... So, Ratings and scores are for two reasons, making lazy people just buy the research, not the research, the, the three letters or the five stars or the 84 number, right? Hiding behind something quasi-official. Oh, they must have done the work, so I don't need to do it. Here it says 84 or here it says 36. This is what I, I hate so much. So on one side, they tell us, oh, you have to be better in diversity. You have to be better in this. You have to be better in that. But on the other side, we give you a score and you don't need to do the homework anymore. So first, they micromanage the company, but then they also micromanage the idiots of this world. Sorry to my, my words. Uh, please stay lazy because we did the work for you. You just now swallow mm. what we just told you. And um, I don't like it. I just don't like yeah. it. Yeah. I. So I, I wonder if this whole thing... 
do you think this this whole movement is based on good intentions you know like like for example um no one i, I would say positively 99 point i hope nine percent of the world's population uh is disgusted at the thought of having a company that would skip over a person specifically because of the race or where they come from uh instead of their merits like i think all of us can agree that that's absolutely insane and that shouldn't exist in the world and humans are unfortunately there are situations where that could arise so i totally get it i totally get why people would be so like how could you hate a movement that's trying to remove that from the world right so that's that's what's going through my mind and i'm wondering do you think there is that type of mentality that is present at these levels of decision making like that's another thing that's weird to me is that there are decision makers in places that decide these things that impact literally everybody like yeah. blows my mind but that's just the society that we live in do you think these these folks are truly trying their best to remove bad behavior out of the system uh and instead maybe not knowingly or perhaps they are um not recognizing history that if you allow a institution that has a lot of influence to you give it enough time and enough people are involved it it, it will always trend towards corruption right uh how much do you think that these folks are doing the, they want to do the right thing and they're not recognizing how this could potentially be a lot worse than good. Does that make any sense? I would love to hear your thoughts. On I, that. I hear, I hear where you're coming from. I, I mean, I wish it would be that case, and I, I can't vouch for it, but I doubt it very much. When I see Larry Fink, I've, I've seen actually three interviews with him. One was at the Clinton Foundation, I think it was about 2018-19. One was more recent, and the other one was at one of those Bloomberg uh, forums. And in all three, he was very um clear that they want to impose certain behaviors certain behaviors of recruitment certain behaviors of reporting certain behaviors of of uh, their criteria um so i don't want to say larry fink is the only person here but he certainly is a key person and everybody is envious of how blackrock you know has so much asset under management has so much influence he's obviously a political actor he is uh, one of the 2028 hopefuls of the democratic party so th there are there are things happening in there that uh, not very clear um the other thing that is happening is actually they're playing geopolitics with this so you have esg funds at blackrock and somewhere else um where they're they're imposing the being clean in all sorts, not only climate, um, on the US and European companies, but not on the Chinese. So they would invest in those funds in the Chinese mm. companies, although they don't have the, the the whole ESG background, but they will not do the same with US or European companies, which which gives obviously a Chinese company a, a, a horrendous second. advantage. Can I just don't tell me BYD sure now? I, Go ahead. I want to make sure I heard this correctly. So yeah these these institutions that can influence and do influence how a, uh, a company can uh have access to money they've they pick and choose currently which companies uh get that esg standard depending on the country that they come from did that i say that true. correct that is true okay. and that comes on both sides both for those that want to access credit meaning bonds or, or or corporate credit at the bank but also asset managers that are sitting on millions and trillions and need to invest into something they say to the us and european companies oh we will invest our money in your company 
you know, purchase your stock, purchase your bonds only if you have a good ESG rating. Well, they wouldn't do that with Chinese or other countries. So you have a certain favoritism. Also, ESG actually goes in a, on a completely other level, which I don't want to go into, but there's a very good all-in podcast on it where Shamat and, uh, and, and, and his friends discuss how ESG actually is detrimental because they actually try to micromanage countries, right? How much agriculture, what type of agriculture and whatever. And then it just, if it doesn't happen, then the whole ESG thing goes down. So that, that's another point. Um, another point that I, I always point out when I talk about ESG. So ESG is hostile to nuclear. I mean, we know from Elon, he's not, right? I'm not either. I've lived in France long enough. One thing about nuclear is uh, if it's rightly managed, uh, it's the cheapest way of energy and, and, uh, and, and has a lot of advantages. So it is really strange how they are so much for clean stuff, but they're against nuclear. So you see that there's stuff in there, in their whole ESG appraisal that goes beyond being good and scoring, again, my definition of good is different than yours, but let's put that aside. But it goes beyond that because then suddenly political stuff comes in there. Why does ESG not like nuclear? Why do they even have an opinion on it? Because they like tobacco, right? How come tobacco can be good, but nuclear is not? No idea. And uh, and so the this whole steering of where the money goes is, is really what is important. Now, sorry, I, I probably repeat myself, but the important thing is you have companies that can't get financing, yet they need it. So they need this ESG stuff and now suddenly have to obey it and fill out these questionnaires, pay six companies to evaluate them, pick the best one, pay them more to get it to be published. And then they have it and then they suddenly get money that they should have gotten in the first place. But there we go. Gravy train. But then you also have the asset manager sitting on millions and trillions money in pension funds, in uh, 401ks, in um, uh, ETFs, saying, okay, now I need to invest this, but I only invest it if you, the company that issues the stock or the bond, have a high ESG, uh, ESG score. So, yeah. so it, it really is a perfect circle how they all oblige the actors to suddenly obey to this. And this racketeering, that's what's so important for me, it, it, this is like a mob. It's the same people turning around, opening their pockets on all sides to, to be able to do that. And it's not fairly done. It's not done in the same way geopolitically. It's not done in the same way, um, depending on you know size, whatever. It's not done fairly to Tesla. But yeah. anyhow, it's just not it's, fair. It's, it's, it's just so fascinating that this is a... It doesn't seem like there is a a way to pinpoint uh we know it's money motivated like we know that for sure right yeah. okay so let me ask you this question let me ask you this question if the public you know western society global population whatever if a significant percentage of the public starts moving towards let's just say this happens right they're mm -hmm. like okay if you're a company that's pro esg i'm not going to do business with you anymore well that right? happens let's at the moment that happens with okay. the with the Republican governors, the Republican governors of a couple of uh, U.S. states have said our pension funds are not going to be ESG, so we're pulling them away. And there are a couple of initiatives. For example, um, can I just finish my thought real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, real quick. So what I'm going with this is like if if a significant number of companies would do this, would do you foresee this movement stopping because it would no longer be profitable to have a business? that is ESG friendly. Does that make any mm. sense? Like it if does. that were to happen? Yeah, it does. But every month that goes by, 
I feel this could become the battle of the titans, right? I also think the 2024 election in America is crucial to what happens here. Um, so why? Because with the current administration, nothing will happen. For me, the solution comes from a grassroots movement. You know, we're talking about it now for an hour. I hope so many other people are talking about it. But um, it will also come from a different government, a different attorney general, congressional hearings, and an antitrust action by the Department of Justice. Uh, the thing is, as I explained earlier, this is a small circle of players. Um, this ISSB, these big asset managers, these banks that oblige ESG. How many people? Like, if you were to guess, how many people are involved? Key like, people? Yeah. Less than 200 key people. But then it spreads out to, to 10,000s, 20,000s of ESG uh Soldiers now walking and walking in their gear in in, in their okay. war, right? Um, but but the the key people probably not even two hundred. Um, and so th there are a couple of things. I think these two hundred deserve an antitrust action um, because it is a cartel. It is the way it is done. I mean, I try to explain it how they try to really squeeze everybody into the same behavior. Um, and then the other thing is, if really we want to stick with this, the minimum, the absolute minimum has to be that scores are not a commingling of ESG, but keep it E, keep it S, keep it G. If really, I mean, th that's the absolute minimum that has to happen. The big thing would be to just, you know, blow it all up and, uh, and do an antitrust action and just make sure that this is not a thing anymore, which might happen. And, and again, I want to come back to, that um, that I, I don't like this to be political, but in the end, it will have to end in, uh, at the Department of Justice. So we need we do need Congress and we need an understanding of it and we need people to be motivated by it. I mean, the SEC is doing nothing. The SEC started a year ago um, some rules because they found some Goldman Sachs funds, which just were ridiculously using this to to pander their their interest. Um, they got a little fine of three times nothing. Couldn't go to Starbucks that day, but that was that. And uh, and and wanted to have a law change. It's been 13 months. Nothing, nothing happened. The SEC was missioned by Dot Frank in 2010 to get rid of the rating agency's influence. Where 13 years later, there's still nothing happened. So don't expect anything to happen from the you know administrations themselves. It has to be political it has to be the congress it has to be the attorney general that is missioned it's it, it i it scares me i mean not to the point that i don't sleep because of of esg but the thing is every six 12 months i look into it it just gets worse it gets worse mm -hmm. why, why are we talking about it this time because we came to that ridiculous s p rating of uh, Philip Morris compared to to Tesla right we're all laughing again couple of couple of uh, of newspaper articles and that's that but We'll fall asleep again, and in six, 12 months, there will be something else. And by that time, they've just spread even more. All their initiatives just clam into it. It's, um, it is what it is. I wanted to pull up that, uh, that picture just for those people that are not Please familiar do. with what we're talking about. So the Philip Morris uh, Tesla ESG uh, score, uh, far as I'm going to spy Twitter, I'll see if I can find it on mine. If not, uh, I'll do yours. Um, yeah, so I, I don't have it up because I'm, I'm an idiot. But basically, the, the uh, Philip Morris is a tobacco company that were rated by S&P Global, uh, their financial arm. You know, they gave them an ESG score. 
and uh, Philip Morris had an 84, I think it was. And then exactly. Tesla, the maker of electric vehicles, solar energy and stuff, yeah. uh, their score was 37, I believe. Yeah. So a, a company that's responsible for a portion of 500,000 deaths a year just in the United States from tobacco-related illness has a better score for the environment, social and governance policies than an electric vehicle maker. Yeah. And and again, that, that yeah. just shows how you Weird. can score the how you can how you can game the, the scoring model because nobody asks whether it's good to, to produce cigarettes, right? Nobody asks whether it's good to produce electric vehicles. That's not the question at all. Do you have your micro little questions and answers right? To score, maybe you want to show that uh, S and P uh, mating, rating matrix that I sent to you, um, where where I mean it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it, it, it we don't have to go into it in in, in detail, but they have I th yeah no it's not that one. one it's the, the no this one is the assets under management the BlackRock but uh, go into the, the one that says S and P that you saved to make it the first one you oh, saved oh, to make oh, it bigger. the first one got it there we go. Producer wife, where are you? Exactly. <laughs> I need your help today. Where are you? <laughs> see, what, see what happens when we don't have her? <laughs> so, so you see what it is. This is the 2022 weights of the S&P automobile ESG scores. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? But it's just, you see what they do. They give these certain weights. And then um, the, the client understands what they want. And they work on the solution to get a certain score. And I'm sure Philip Morris did this perfectly well, right? And and had all the biodiversity scores. I mean, their tobacco must be biodiverse, don't you think so? Beautiful climate strategy, low carbon strategy. Who cares that they're, they're making cigarettes, right? That there is no there is no question that hurts them because there's only a scoring model where they are if they pay and if they get the if they get the right advisory they will be able to do very well okay so this is very eye-opening so for those for those that are not um familiar with what we're showing here so this is S&P Global's weighting is this what this is this is S&P for the automobile ESG ratings yes for the automobile ESG yeah so this is if you're if you're uh, automobile ESG so these numbers here are basically how much the corporate governance weighs towards your score. So it's nine points, materiality is two points, business ethics is uh, six points, which yeah. is an interesting thing to quantify. <laughs> um, okay. Policy influence is once, I don't know how you do that. Uh, don't Supply you love chain? innovation management? I love innovation management. <clears throat> but this is what I'm talking about. It's like how, yeah. product stewardship. How do you quantify that? You don't, but this is made to be able to be gamed. The whole the whole goal is not truth finding. The whole goal is allowing your clients to pay a lot of money to explain them to game it. And and I and I bet you a lot of money, twenty bucks, that these metrics are developed by someone fresh out of college. Oh sure. How much you want to bet? <laughs> it's an intern. Yeah. That came up with a spreadsheet that says, this yeah. is how you uh, calculate product stewardship. Okay, great. Every company, mm. you're now using this metric that's probably 100% wrong. No yeah. no hate on the intern, but mm. like, like they have an impossible mission because like, what does this even mean? You know, it's, mm. it's so weird to me. So human it rights, human capital, human capital, human capital development, talent attraction and retention. Corporate yeah, but wait, 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 wait. The, the right, the right diversity of talent attraction and retention. The, the human capital develop mm -hmm. the right diversity yeah. of talent attraction yeah. and retention. Right, mm -hmm. right, exactly. 
exactly. And um, philanthropy. Fascinating I love stuff. philanthropy as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's so weird to me. So so then mm. all these all these points, right? They come up with a score. So human yeah. rights and human capital development, you get a score and that yeah. adds to your ESG score. And yeah. then isn't there something about that if the company doesn't self-report, they so, yeah. try so to make two, it up? Right? Exactly. So there are two there are two levels to it. Input is uh, either what they find in public uh, documentation or the company can participate. That part is free on a course, free, free, for sure. I'm super free. Um, so Tesla doesn't deliver any data. So that's already a minus there. Uh, and then the, the, the output part is, so you got to the score and then comes an overlay of their qualitative assessment whether you are acting in the stakeholder interest not in the shareholder you idiot who put money in the company but in the stakeholders meaning the media and the environment and, and you know people circulating around this company what they think of the company so actually it is a media analysis and then this is what it is again i'm coming back to my first point this is a power game between corporations, government, and media. And with ESG, they're all three together in the same bed. Wow. Wow. So it's it's literally just an attempt. It's their attempt. It's it's just... It's, I, I'm just picturing like... And, and I'm sorry for this visual, but I mean, I, I don't know why I'm apologizing. I'm picturing just like 10 people that uh i don't know have a lot of money at that, that they can sort of decide who gets the money and then you know they're like they're literally coming up with arbitrary data points it seems like to try mm. and figure out who's deserving of access to that money as yeah. a company yeah they is that they are micromanaging like, they're micromanaging yeah. how you run your business and then they're micromanaging whether you're worthy of having access to more money it is the mob this is a cartel. I tell you, and it is really dangerous. It is dangerous to our economy. And it costs us consumer a lot of money because the companies have to comply to that, spend a lot of money to it, figure it out. And there we go. And wow. us as Tesla investors, our strength, and that's one of the reasons why I moved away from thinking we should do a, a share buyback so soon. Our strength is that we don't need, Tesla doesn't need more money right? Because as soon as you slip into the, I need more money, well, either you're important enough that they don't dare impose you the ESG rules, which could be the case because given, you know, Elon's way of, of uh, making us all participate in those decisions, maybe they wouldn't dare. But other than that, uh, Tesla would have to improve their ESG score to get cheap financing. It's crazy. So, so so one of the one of the ways to get around this is if I mean could this spur a a huge like a lot of momentum in businesses that just operate so lean and so profitably that they won't need to tap these capital markets because yeah, they don't want so to abide. Few. But there are so few farms. But, but what I if do it spurs more of them? It, right. It, it should, but the problem is obviously these days are not easy for them. But uh, but it is true. It is true that. Um, by having less debt, you dissociate yourself from them. That, that is, that's for sure. Debt is actually the weak point of the companies and that's where they got, get them. Wow. So, okay. So this, now the picture. So if you want debt, 
so this is maybe in 20 years time if this movement continues if you want debt you have to play by the esg rules if you're not especially in 20 if you're large, years now this now, is happening now. now yeah yeah it's not in 20 yeah. years this is so today now. If you want debt as a corporation, and who knows, maybe this extends in the long term to individuals, right? Yeah. Uh, as a, as a person, uh, you will have to play by the rules that ESG sets, which will measure yeah. what which we just went through some uh, dubious uh, qualifiers that are yeah. tough to quantify. I would say that's probably a very good way of me, very nice way of me saying it. You're much uh, more that debt. Than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to be happen. impartial, but it's very difficult. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be honest. Like my my BS radar is going off like crazy, right? And I can't help it. Sorry, uh, but the so that's so you're going to have to play by the rules. But if you don't want debt, if or, or if you can operate in a way that you can tap a capital market or raise money or have access to money that doesn't, uh, you know, potentially abide to ESG rules. Like, is could you be a capital market? Or can you be a player in the capital markets or somebody that just offers you the ability to raise money without ESG? Like, is that like could capitalism give birth to those uh, type of institutions? Uh, I could yeah, but at the moment you have the most influential players against you. So again, if you don't need that, you can probably spit on them, which I hope Elon does. Uh, and he does regularly. I mean, he called them the devil. He called them uh, the worst, whatever. I mean, yeah, so, so uh, no, and he's right. He's right. And he, he's in a strong enough position with all his companies to not need them. And he is in a strong enough position as the owner of Twitter to ensure that he has uh, the faculty to to speak out, right? I mean, do you see any other uh, CEO or president talk out about ESG? They don't. Why? They are afraid. I say that sentence again, 90% of companies are either ESG rated and deliver data or are planning to do it in the next 12 to 24 months. This has taken over. Wow. Could, could Twitter, you know, the Twitter financial services that Elon has talked about, like part of X, how long-term, he said something about, I think it was during the Zuby interview, or I forget who it was. He wants a significant percentage of the world's transactions, financial transactions, to happen on Twitter at some point. Mm -hmm. Could this give birth to, a, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here, Twitter financial services that will allow uh, huge companies or maybe medium-sized companies to have access to capital that are not tied to ESG? Could could this be part of that play? Is like well, I mean, ESG currently currently has no influence on retail customers, right? I I understood Elon wanting X being the financial exchange for retail customers. If it becomes uh, the financial platform also for corporate and corporate debt, maybe. Um, I, and, and I mean, in, in the good old times, um, we had credit ratings, right? Which gave an insight into how probable it was these companies would or would not go bankrupt. They were much less reliable than the Altman Z score, but um, they were out there and, and people obeyed to them. And then once people realized how, how ridiculous they were, you suddenly had what is called the, the default swap market, um, where the banks themselves gave ratings to their counterparties. And so these ratings, these internally build up ratings became much more important. And Tesla has been play rated on that level for a long time, even though, so I'm talking credit ratings here, even though by the rating agencies, they're only low investment grade. So you, you already 
you have sort of a precedent of what happened in the credit rating market, meaning at one moment, the intelligence just decouples, does a better version of what the rating agencies do well, and that's the that becomes the standard and people do their homework again. Because again, one of the reasons why these damn scores and ratings exist is because people are lazy. They want information densified and there it is there is your number there are your yeah. three stars there are your, your three letters and if that wouldn't happen the whole gaming system couldn't be couldn't be in place <clears throat> wow okay so and, and i think that last thing that you said and now you know i know you said it previously in the in the interview but i think that's that's really helping me really get my head wrapped around this is that this is mm. this appears to be another maybe maybe the way i'm thinking about it is this appears to be another one of those things where humans are just trying to make things simple and they're trying to use a number to perhaps highlight companies that people will want to be associated with, not just because of money, but because we're stage, it's entering a new stage of capitalism, whatever you want to yeah. call it, where we have to be much more socially conscious in their head. And so like, well, let's make it easy for us to identify the companies that do a good job with that. And uh, it's born out of that. And now we're in a situation that it can be hijacked to a very high degree because, again, humans tend to humans trend to corruption the longer and the more people are involved in something, especially when there's a lot of money to be made. So um, and especially if you don't pay a lot for your services, these passive index yeah. funds are uh, at the core of the whole of the core problem. Yeah. I'm sad. Want to take some questions? Okay. We're running, running, running. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted me, wanted me to bring up before we do that? No, I, I think I yeah. went through what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I just, I, I want people to understand. I don't think there was an initial, very tight little conspiracy table where they put this all in place. But my gosh, how certain events just lined up for this mess to be set up. Crazy. Absolutely mm. crazy. We'll take some questions now. That was an hour and 20, by the way. An hour oh, and 20 of just sorry, like... Sorry, I was going on and on and on. No, right? no, but I feel like we will just scratch the surface of it too. Like I feel like there's so much more in there that, yeah. that we need to go through too. But um, we will have to do multiple series over time because this is wild. <laughs> and maybe, hopefully, I mean, my, my hope with this is that um, someone, I don't know, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to try my best to try and do this but like how can we make this digestible for the masses so that the regular person can understand the different variables that go into this and this you know in the same way that that's my hope and again it, it seems shady to me it seems shady to you it seems like it seems shady to a lot of people but it's not under it's not well understood so um that's my goal is to try and bring not well understood things to as many people as possible, I think is where I can bring value. So I don't know. And that's why yeah. I'm so happy that you, you decided do. to come on. Um, I really appreciate you. So if you have a question uh, about what we just talked about, drop, drop a question in the comment section below. Please write question in all caps. So it's easy for my for me to find the questions in the comment section because <laughs> producer wife is not here today. And God help me. So here we go. <laughs> uh, we're going to uh, start bringing up some um, questions here. And some of the ones are already. Look at this one. A $50 Oof. super chat. There you, you know go. What? Now you owe this. me really. 
for every every dollar that is uh, made from this stream, I will donate to the uh, the USA. Oh, uh, I love swim it. Team. Thank you, Farzad. I think that I, love that I think idea. that's something. Thank you very much. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Thank so you. sunlight is the that. best disinfectant, of course. Uh, Tessa Boomer Mama is our sunshine uh, in oh. more ways than one. But who are making up the sunblocks that are protecting the wrongdoers? This is the best and only way to expose them to beneficial effect. Go Bruins. Thank you, Crunch. Yeah, I mean, it's this is all you've. How long have you been working on this thing for? Like a month plus, forever. Yeah, I, I want like. it to be. I want it to be ready. And and the thing is, you know, I had pages and pages of notes, but then you try to rephrase it, make it easier. It it was it, it it's so much and it, it's so charged this whole topic, and um, there we are. Yeah. Another uh, uh, 11 uh, Canadian yeah. dollar super chat. Thank you, Lulu. ESG, these nuts. Thank you. And mm. then here's another uh, quite controversial statement. But thank you again for the super chat. Let's just say Ilana is identified as a woman. She'll be the richest, wrong, strong, independent, single mom. Extra, extra points. All right. Thank you, Lulu, <laughs> for the 11 bucks. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, game the gamers. That's it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Uh, Claudio, uh, Alexander and Farzad, how likely do you think it is that quotas of all sorts are considered discriminatory and con unconstitutional in the United States? Uh, how do you think well, about that? Yeah, I, I actually I actually wonder that, right? I, I do believe this is a topic that will end up in front of the Supreme Court. Um, and uh, I mean, obviously, it will take a long, long time. I hope there's a solution before that. I, I really want these congressional hearings. I mean, my gosh, they have congressional hearings on any and everything. And this one is really, this one should come up as soon as, as the, the November 24 elections are done. I, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but don't you, don't you feel they ever do anything? I mean, my gosh, this, yeah, there we are. And, and there's so much lobbying happening as well, right? The, the, you can be sure that this gravy train will do everything to stay in place. You know, this subject didn't exist five years ago. And today this is billions and billions of uh, dollars spent on actors that didn't know that this whole thing would exist five years ago. That's where we are. I have a feeling that this is going to gain momentum, though. I, I really am hopeful because it, it always starts with yeah. a little bit of uh, smoke, you know, and, and usually where there's smoke, there is fire. And I do mm. think with Twitter's growth specifically and someone like an Elon Musk that's not happy with this, I think with, with a big enough megaphone and, you know, like the Valuetainment guys picked it up. And you like you said, there were a few uh, newspaper articles that highlighted the story, but they were like kind of at the, you know, that sort of. Philip Morris, 84, Tesla, 37 yeah. kind of deal, right? Which is a good way to maybe get it started. But it needs to be like an expose. It needs to be, you know, a thing like like you've done where you, you got to sit down and start going through the the yeah. the little, the tiny bits that are going on. And hopefully, mm. who knows, some, maybe there's somebody out there like a journalist that's watching this that's willing to go in and really do <laughs> so much work to figure out where this is going and the... Yeah. You know, maybe you need to and 60 you, minutes, you find please, it, you know? Yeah, and don't you find it's funny how the media doesn't really want to touch this? When, when I had yeah. last year my video and all that, I approached uh, nearly all of the journalists I have access to. Nobody wanted to do anything about yeah. this. And I wonder how many of them are, is there a possibility that these guys are just, they, they don't have a financial incentive to do it because they're sure. somehow, right? There, yeah. there could be a situation. Sure, these are, these, are their, these are their friends, of course. Crazy. That's why FU money is so important in the world is because you can go out there. <laughs> and do there stuff. you go. How can we get more people FU money? This is really the, the way to do it. Uh, 
All right, question. Uh, not ESG related. We'll have a couple ESG ones in, in deck, though. Uh, rather Tesla related. What do you think of the Ross Dan FSD test ride? Okay, so this gave me a lot of heartache and, and headache this weekend because, uh, you know, it's happening in my hometown of Santa Barbara. It's on and, Thursday, right? um, Yeah, it's on Thursday. And it's actually a whole day because initially I was supposed to go there and be the judge. And that's a good thing I have. I don't have time. And I said it immediately. I don't have time. This is not just me chickening out. But I didn't want to have also this responsibility of either, you know, giving this uh, credibility um, or... I just I I didn't want to be associated with it. Um, the the thing is, that no doubt I think nothing good about him. He I think he has an interest. He now pretends that he doesn't have um, a corporate interest in it, but I mean we all know he does with his what is it called Green Hill um, Company. Software, yeah. uh, they are the, the software is actually a platform for all the OEMs to do a lot of things. Uh, obviously not full self driving, but if false have traffic becomes the standard, and if what I think has, will happen uh, sooner or later, the same way they now adhere to the supercharger network, they will adhere to the full self-driving um, software. And it may not all be Tesla's market, but Tesla will be one of the main players in this game. His platform will be redundant, and he can say what he wants. Yes, his platform is not a competitor to FSD, but his platform is becoming redundant if FSD becomes the norm. And, uh, and so he has an interest in that. Um, he has the engineers in his company to fake this. He has filmed before in Santa Barbara in areas I've never seen. I've lived here for nine years. I've walked nearly every mountain here, and I can tell you I've never seen where he's doing that. So this is completely off-road, and this is uh, – I, I have no idea. And I'm sure he optimized the setting um, to, to ensure that, Whatever should work doesn't work there. I also do believe that he uses every possibility in his playbook to 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 cheat to ensure that there is lights or colors or whatever not happening the way the way it should be. And I do believe Ross is in no way intellectually or technically equipped to even understand what's happening. So I told that to Ross. He couldn't care less. He told me that no problem. FSD works. He will see that it works. This is all going to be wonderful. Um, and so I was getting really annoyed and I decided, you know, what the heck, this is not my subject. First of all, it's FS beta, beta right? Uh, it says it all the way. Uh, let's test it when it is full self-drive. That's how it's sold. Currently, that's not how it's sold. So whatever happens, happens. And then what the heck, can we, we move on. And maybe we have, because of that buying opportunity on Friday or because nobody gives a crap. I mean, he has in invited the whole press, Bloomberg, um, uh, CNBC, everybody's been invited to come with their film crews and whatever. I don't know whether they're coming, but he's making a big hoopla out of it. Well, okay. So it's going to garner a lot of attention. And then, um, so Ross and Dan are both going to be there and we'll see what happens. Exactly. Okay. All right. We'll see what happens. And apparently uh, Omar is now coming as well. I don't know whether that's true. Or not, okay. But... okay. Here we go. Uh, Kathy K. Thank you so much, Kathy. Kathy is the GOAT. What can we actually do to improve ESG situation? Great question. Talk about it, talk about talk about it. And if anybody has political influence, bring it to your Congress people. If you know your Congress people, tell them that this is a subject you want discussed. Vote next year in November for the right people. I mean, I'm not saying left or right, but vote to vote people in there that understand this is a subject and that you want them to bring forward a congressional hearing 
Um, we just have to talk about it as much as possible. I mean, I can't be the only one carrying this. And on top of it, I'm not an American citizen yet, right? So um, we, we just have to really make sure this is um, this is on the agenda as much as possible, as boring as it is. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for the question, Kathy. Uh, question, and this is more, uh, I guess, a reinforcement here uh, from Asito. Question, ESG is equity, not equality. Corrupt and failed companies slash funds will get the money from uninformed investors. Did I understand that correct? Yeah, I said all that. I mean, th there is both equity and equality in that. So when I use the word equality, um, it is because the Human Rights Council publishes what is called a corporate equality index that was sort of an ESG score before the days. And, uh, and that has become very uh, gender driven. This is mainly now on, on gender subjects. And so that's why I'm talking about equity. Um, now, you can't say that it's only a matter for corrupt and failed companies. Not at all. It is a money. It, it, is, um, it has two objectives. Any company needs an ESG score to get credit, to get money, to, to raise funds, right, by a bond issuance or by getting credit line from the bank. And asset managers use ESG to force the stock or the bonds they invest in to be ESG rated, right, to just get the whole system, system working. So um, you understood half of it correctly, Rasito, but, uh, but it's also it's a good start. Yeah. All right, let's do a, a couple more. Is that okay with you? Yeah, sure. A couple Go more ahead. questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Let's do this guy. This one's an interesting question. Uh, from Ross uh, Coombs. Question oh. in 2020. <laughs> I was like, oh my. How's <laughs> that? What did doing? I do? Uh, question in 2020, we had SPACs, which are special acquisitions uh, that happened where, you know, they took a bunch. It was basically a way to bypass. Uh, the IPO process, I guess. Is that it, what it is? It was, a, it was yeah. a sort of a private placement pre IPO. Yeah. In 2020, we had SPACs as a way to raise money. Now we have dodgy ESG ways for bad companies to raise money. Will the capitalist market not just disrupt this trend given enough time? That's a very good point, And that is a hope I have. You have to know that uh, at the end of 2020, for the year 2020, we had about $17 trillion in ESG funds. And that is down to half of that a year later. Why? Ukraine war, high energy prices, ESG just became more of a dodgy subject where people weren't feeling as comfortable about it. So yes, in terms of money allocation, we're already on a good path. But as I explained, they're coming now the government way. They're coming the uh, sustainability standard way and whatever. So if it would be only capital markets, I think we could break it. Just sufficient pressure and people just thinking this is crap, let's get out of it. But since they're coming now the, the 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 legislative way of you know putting ESG as a standard in there, that's much more dangerous. It's basically a mandate. It's they're trying to mandate yes. the standards yeah. more than anything. Okay. That's that's very helpful to understand. Thank you. Uh from Blue Hound question. Let's assume ESG was supposed to benefit society and our economy. How can it be used to positivity? Uh, improve our society and economy. So is there a way to actually put this to good use? Like, yeah, that's a very good question. Well, the first one is I wouldn't like any central body governing it. I just don't like the idea that there would be a table of people deciding how it has to be defined, calculated, reported. I hate that whole idea of micromanaging. So by itself, the three subjects 
may have validity. They're not for me. I'm not a social warrior, whatever, but you know, that's me. Somebody else may be. Um, so, the, so there may be a validity in reporting the three topics individually and then let people who are interested in these three topics decide, right? So for me, the, the beginning of the beginning would be to not commingle anymore the three topics because I just believe that, I mean, it, it's like you put three juices together in the end, you have no juice anymore, right? It just doesn't make any sense to to bring the two sub, uh, sub uh, three topics into one score. Um, but that, for me, would be the you know the the minimum first step: no central authority, and dividing the three subjects. Okay. And then anybody Helpful. reports what they how they want that. Yeah. Uh, let's do two more. Wait, what question? Who was pushing the ESG proposals at the Tesla shareholder meetings recently? Well, there were two questions um, there from the same activists that wanted that oversight. Well, what mining was it for the oversight? Far as I remember, there was a question for the oh the yeah uh, cobalt cobalt uh, mining or something like that. Yeah, was it the was it the Saint Jude's or not Saint Jude's? I forget. Wasn't it like um yeah the, the sisters of whatever? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, always the, the same. It's last year the same and whatever. It's always yeah. the same. It, it, it this is the same little world turning around trying to push the agenda always. Yeah. All right. Last question. Bill Stokes, Good. this is a fascinating question here. So without being specific, how does a small investor make money from this? If companies are being stupid, then can I get higher returns by investing in companies that are less stupid? Yeah, go into Tesla. Not financial advice. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Perfect. All right, everybody. Uh, any parting words, Alexandra? This was a uh, thought-provoking <laughs> conversation as always, an hour and a half plus passed Jeez. in. And I feel like we just... There's still so much to cover, and um, like like Alexandra has said, I think I I do encourage maybe what what everybody needs to do is just we all need to sort of sit down and do our own research on this as well, see what else we can understand about this because of its complexity. But I really appreciate you doing the work. That that's um, you know I think I think we're lucky that you've you you've have the background that you have and you're willing to put in so much time. Uh, to research this stuff and bring it to the public. And I'm honored that you chose my platform to bring this stuff forward. And hopefully, you know, hopefully as we continue to have this conversation, more and more people uh, become aware of this uh, very poten potential, very uh, uh, ha big hazard that's coming down the pike mm. here. And, uh, you know, at the very least in the spirit of sort of where we live now in 2023, I think it's very okay for us to ask tough questions on what's going on. Because I think there is a, um, I think folks are very confused uh, about a lot of things uh, lately, and it's important to have open conversations about these matters. So I, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Any any parting words for the audience before uh, we go? Thanks for having me, and again, please help my swimmers. So don't forget about yes. that pinned pinned uh, tweet uh, on my Twitter line, and Fazad is going to put the link uh, under this video as well. Thank yes. you very much. Hope you appreciate it. And we'll come back and talk ESG, right, Fazat? Just going to be there. Anytime, exactly. anytime. You take All right, everybody. Uh, let's see if I can see do this soon. well. I'm going to click on <laughs> okay. brand and do my end screen. Bye, everybody. Thank you so bye much bye. for tuning in.